Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. How can he say that? Here's a guy who had three winning seasons with Cam Newton, and now he's saying he doesn't fit what we do. What do you do? And he gets away with it. Nobody calls him out on it. Like, nobody says you're full of shit, Ron. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And boy, the ones and twos are working. We got a new animation, Michael. Man, that, this thing is that, dressed that, up, buddy. They geared their stuff up. I mean, these guys <laughs> all went to these sports schools. I mean, damn, that graphics. I mean, we got a bunch of graphic graduates in this joint. This is awesome. Really nice. Yeah. Another element to the GM shuffle. Love We're trying it. to make this as great a product as possible. Love so, it. you know, adding bells and whistles here and there. Yeah, so, I love it. Yeah, we love it. Part of the DraftKings network. So, we're going to have a lot of fun over this next hour, though. Um, obviously, we'll start with what's happened at the NFL owners meeting. Yeah. The big discussion. The meeting the, the liars it, meeting it really should be the, <laughs> the narrative meeting like let's just we're going to put it out there everything's going to be denied and here's really our story so choreographed it's the rockets couldn't have done a better job than <laughs> I mean, it might not have it was very definitely uh, uh organized and, yeah. and, and, and coordinated well with all these owners and the big topic of discussion among a, d- a number of different things was free agent quarterback lamar jackson we yeah. talked about him on monday lamar announcing that he requested the trade on march 2nd well Every team that has a quarterback issue was asked about him, including in our nation's capital, the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera, talking to a bunch of the media members, explained why his team is not in on the Lamar sweepstakes. Honestly, we never did. It was just something that we just didn't feel suited what we wanted to do. Um, I know he's a tremendous talent. I I know he's a a player that can impact your team. I just didn't think, and, and, and we sat down and talked about it, that that was the direction for us as a football team. I, I mean, how can he say that? How the <laughs> fuck can me. he say that? Like, seriously, here's a guy who had three winning seasons with Cam Newton, and now he's saying he doesn't fit what we do. What do you do? Like, you've had three winning seasons in your entire career. Belichick goes to the owners' meetings. Everybody's thinking he's going to get fired next year if he doesn't win. Ron Rivera's sitting there. He, nobody's saying he's going to get fired. Hasn't a winning season. Hasn't won more than, than 10 games. Hasn't won more double-digit wins since 17. I mean, and now he's saying he's not interested. Like, how are you not interested? Like, like to me, like, what are you doing if we're not interested? Like, who are you interested in? You drafted Sam Howell in the fifth round. You were that interested in Sam Howell that you dra- – like, I get if Sam Howell comes out great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, like, why wouldn't you be? And now if you come out and say, look, we're in a difficult situation. You know, we could potentially have an ownership transfer. These are kind of big moves that you want everybody on board for. So we're going to table it for right now. I get that. Okay, say that. Mm -hmm. But don't say he doesn't fit what you do when the only way you've ever won in the league is with Cam Newton. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, seriously. You've had, I mean, that's your only guy that's ever won for you, you. And you're saying you don't want the guy. And he gets away with it. Like, nobody calls him out on it. Like, nobody says you're full of shit, Ron. Like, nobody calls him out. This guy has got the unbelievable ability to kind of sneak through the cracks. Like, nobody ever calls his ass out. He hasn't had a winning season. He's had three in his whole entire coaching career. It's really remarkable. I mean, that he's Jason saying. Garrett's probably sitting there at NBC smiling and wondering, like, how, is, how did I get so much shit and Rivera doesn't? Because <laughs> I guess he doesn't clap. I don't know. But Rivera, to your point, 8-8-1 eight, eight this past season. Seven win season in 2021, seven win season in 2020, five win season in Carolina in 2019 when he was fired, and the year before that he went seven and nine after going 11 and five in 2017. Like, like the, the winning has not been there at the rate of somebody who, who operates with the job security that he has, or, or the confidence, or like I know all, like 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 seriously, like you are sitting there, like Lamar Jackson would make you a better team, mm-hmm. and don't say well be, he can't run the West Coast offense. You know, if the enemy's a great offensive coach, he'll figure out a system that runs for the guy. 
right? I mm-hmm. mean, Steve Young couldn't run, couldn't play West Coast off. Everybody said that. And then when Walsh got him, he eventually got him to throw the ball in rhythm. And next thing you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. But you don't have a quarterback. You got you're in the NFC. This is what driving me crazy about this whole Lamar thing. There's no quarterbacks in the NFC. Yep. And this is the perfect time for you to make the move to get a quarterback to shift the balance of power. You're not going to beat Philly. You're not going to. I mean that they're not going to beat those guys unless you get superior play from the quarterback. It makes no sense to sit there and say, you know. And he's really lying. He's like they did no due diligence. Did they fly down and spend time with Lamar? Of course yeah. they did. You know. Here's the thing. You can't say you're, you've done your homework if you don't meet with the kid because you're not talking to the agent. There's no agent to talk to. Like, you either go see the kid or you're not, or you're not doing your homework. Who are you talking to? Everybody at the Ravens? Like, well, seriously, who are you talking to? Greg Roman? <laughs> I know you interviewed Greg Roman, but, but did you ask Greg Roman? I know you interviewed him for the head job. Did you talk to him about it? Like, to me, it's just a crock of crap. Like, I don't get it. There's a distinctive advantage to doing something, and this guy gets away with it every single time. So you brought up the point of the the new ownership transition, and there's the reports that the, uh-huh. there's been bids that have been out for the Washington Commanders. I believe $6 billion was the most recent reporting for the offer for the team. Do you think that that's why maybe they're doing like, talking like this? And like maybe this is a negotiating ploy from Rivera saying, hey, yeah, you know, we're not really interested, but knowing that, okay, when we get a new ownership, we're going to actively pursue Lamar Jackson. Like, well, Do you think that could be the case is why he seems so kind of just cavalier about like, yeah, I mean, we didn't really look into it. We're trying to build our team a different way. If you paid $6 billion for something, wouldn't you want to have an elite player at the position? I, mean, I would. First of all, you paid $6 billion, right? So let's just understand the behind-the-scenes operation. So, I mean, I've said this on the pod before. You know, Snyder told Goodell, I can't prove this, but there's kind of an indication that I'll, you can get me out of here if you get me $6 billion. Mm. Why do you think two bids came in right at $6 billion? Why didn't one bid come in at five eight, another one come in at six one? Like, they're not blind bids. It was jacks are better to get in the game. It's either you bid $6 billion or not, or he's not selling. Mm. And so that's why. So now, what's Goodell have to do? He's got to make sure that... You know, the guy who buys the team for $6 billion is going to get a new stadium. He's got to make sure he's going to get a Super Bowl. He's going to make sure that, the, you know, that he enhances this. That's, part of, that's why they pay Goodell so much money, because he's got to make all this work. He's and got he, to get a new deal, too. Yeah, and it will. <laughs> he will, and he'll make more money for the owners. But so, like, you know that. You, but to me, if you're going to operate this, you've got to figure out. You've got to do your homework. Like, just because you have a new owner doesn't mean – so if, if the new owner comes in – and say Josh Harris buys the team or this guy from Canada buys the team, and he goes to Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and says, were we interested in Lamar Jackson? No, we just didn't think it was the right fit. Shouldn't you have like a notebook to hand the guy and say, okay, yeah, we did all our due diligence. Here's what we came up with. We couldn't make the move because there was no owner. Here's, here's our analysis. Like to me, if I were the owner, that's what I would want. Mm-hmm. I would want to know that they were proactive in it, that they did their homework, that they went and spent time with the guy doesn't mean you can't make the trade. Like, I'm not saying the Colts should trade for Lamar. I'm saying they should do their homework for Lamar, right? I'm mm-hmm. not saying – I don't know the teams well enough internally. I think Arthur Blank's full of shit, but I don't know the teams personally. Like, his, his, his thing was a joke. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get into his thing because, like, in this discussion of who's in and who's out on Lamar, Atlanta, to me, still is the one that's the craziest of all of these. And here's what Arthur Blank said at the owner's meeting, quote, on why they pursued Deshaun Watson and why they're not pursuing Lamar Jackson. Different player, different time. You have a winner in Jackson, an MVP in the league. There's no question he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Looking at it objectively, I'd say there's some concern over how long he plays his style, how long he can play his style of game, hopefully a long time, but he's missed five, six games each of the last two years. Each game counts a lot in our business. And here's a man who was going to sign Deshaun Watson when we all thought he was going to miss a year. And no one asked him the question. Mr. Blank, all due respect, you were prepared to sign Deshaun Watson, and he potentially could have missed a year. Isn't that How did that factor in your decision last year, and it doesn't this year? Like, why can't we ask that question? Like, like that made no sense at all. He just, no made, he just gave some bullshit answer that people just accepted. Oh, yes, Mr. Blank, thank you very much. Like, come on. Like, you're in Atlanta. Let me ask you a question. You watch these Falcon fucking games, right? How many empty seats you see on oh the goddamn God. tape? I covered a Seahawks game in Atlanta, and there was more Seahawks fans than Falcons fans. You there. put a, you put Lamar in Atlanta, people will come. 
100%. They will come. They will come and put near in stadium. Now, you know, don't tell me you want it. I don't understand this. Mr. Blank, you were interested in Deshaun Watson. He had a, a very, very uh, problematic off the field. Yet this year, you're not interested in Lamar, who has no off the field issues. Like, how does that make sense? One year you're interested in the only reason Deshaun Watson is not an Atlanta Falcon. The only reason, remember, when Cleveland Cleveland got eliminated, mm-hmm. right? And the only way Cleveland got back in was to do the guaranteed deal. He was going to Atlanta. He's from crazy. Atlanta. He's from the area, right? He was going to Atlanta. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, like, look, you could say we're not. I mean, it's one thing to say you're not interested because you have a quarterback. It's another thing to say you're not interested when you have Desmond Ryder or Sam Howe. Here's two guys who were drafted in the third and the fifth round. Yeah. Like, when they got selected, nobody said, well, you know, they're going to carry franchises. <laughs> yeah, it's the future. It's Desmond Ritter coming out of Cincinnati. And and what's crazy about this, he talks about Lamar's play style and how he's missed games. This is the same guy who wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson, who tore his ACL at Clemson, tore his ACL in Houston in his first year in his rookie season. So that you were trying to get a guy who's torn his ACL twice, and now you're concerned with Lamar Jackson. And was going to miss it and miss 12 <laughs> games the year you're going to sign him. And, like, what, is, like, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Like, what are we saying? Like, just, I mean, if you don't want the guy, say, I don't want the guy. Say, and, and you know, and, and one thing is, he made it out like he was involved in a decision. He didn't throw anybody under the bus. He's like, okay, we did our homework. He misses too many games. Okay, I got that. But the, Watson's going to miss 12, but it didn't yeah, matter. Well, didn't we don't matter. ask that. We're going to sign him anyway. Like, I don't get the, I don't get the, the, the disdain coming from these teams for Lamar. Like, I don't understand. I think a lot of it has to do with no agent. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think him not having an agent is really problematic. I think a lot of this, there's no narrative that comes out. There's no, there's no salesmanship going on to the owners. There's nobody really knows the kid, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think a lot of that is problematic. And, and I just, to me, I don't understand how you can just dismiss it without doing the homework. Like if I were if I were a, a Washington team if I was the general manager of Washington and I knew a new owner was coming in I can promise you I would have a notebook on Lamar Jackson yeah. I would just say okay here's you go the, the, this is the work we've done you make the call and, and Lamar tweeted about the whole injury thing about how he might be sitting out or whatever he said. I don't remember me sitting out on my guys week one versus the Jets to week 12 versus the Broncos. How come all of a sudden I sit out because of money in which I could have got hurt at any time within that time frame when we know the Super Bowl has been on my mind since April 2018 when he was drafted? I think the, the main point of this discussion is that we're not saying that every team should go trade for him. We're saying every team should do the homework right, on Lamar right. Jackson to figure out if they should trade for him. Not doing the homework is irresponsible as far as we're concerned. We're just getting warmed up here, though, on the GM shuffle. On the other side, we're going to talk about another quarterback that won an MVP, Aaron Rodgers. When is he going to the Jets? We'll discuss it next here on the GM shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. 
All right, we're gonna get to Aaron Rodgers here in just a bit, but there's still a little meat left on the bone when it comes to Lamar Jackson here. I wanted to talk about two teams in particular, the Colts and the Patriots. Mm -hmm. So their general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard, had this to say about Lamar Jackson, about whether they would pursue him. He said, quote, anytime a special player is available, which he is, you've got to do the work. Ballard was kind of echoing the sentiments of what Shane Sykin was saying, quote, I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do, but I'll tell you, he is a really good player, really special player, but you never know how any of this will work out. That to me seems a little bit more in line of what teams should be doing and what they should be saying versus, hey, I mean, we're just not really kind of interested in you know, all of that stuff. Well, I think the thing that's pretty clear is Jack uh, is Indy's at four, right? And, mm -hmm. and and we know they have Gardner Minshew, so there's there's really no thing. Ballard's got to take a quarterback somewhere. He's going to pick a quarterback, whether he picks Richardson, whether he picks C.J. Stroud, who makes, or whether he picks Will Levis. Or whether he trades for Lamar. Like, he's going to have to get a quarterback. He doesn't have a quarterback on his roster. He's got Gardner Minshew. Now, you know, today is Thursday morning here in Las Vegas. Anthony Richardson's working out today. So mm -hmm. maybe they see Anthony Richardson as the guy that could be the six-back runner for Shane Steichen. I don't know. Maybe that's true. You know, maybe they see Will Levis as the guy. I don't know. I'm not in their room. I don't know what they're thinking. But I do know this. I think that they have to do their homework. And I think that that's really important. So, you know, I get where – and what Jim Irsay said was true. Like, I don't like guaranteed contracts. I get that. I, I get that. And he's right. Like, I don't want to pay the fully buttoned-up contract that, that Deshaun Watson got really hurt. But since then, since then, Russell Wilson's got a contract. Kyler Murray's got a contract, mm -hmm. right? None of those two were buttoned up, mm -hmm. right? Justin Herbert's about to get a contract, and Joe Burrow's going to get a contract. And I doubt if either one of those are going to yeah. be fully buttoned up. Jalen Hurts as well. Jalen Hurts. So I, I got a sense that the marketplace is going to swing back towards teams, which will then allow you to have a conversation with Lamar. What about the New England Patriots? Because the report came out that they're not pursuing Lamar Jackson. People have said, hey, Belichick has spoken glowingly about Lamar Jackson, all the way dating back to the draft process and every time that they play the Ravens. And Mac Jones had, let's say, a sophomore slump last year. Do you think that New England – should be doing their homework and making sure that they get in on this, or does it not really fit what they want? Well, I think this. You know, we know this about New England. Tom Brady took less money, right? Mm -hmm. Tom Brady always took sacrifice for the good of the team. So for them to go out and pay $45 million to a quarterback is somewhat disrespectful to Brady. It's somewhat disrespectful to Brady. He's like, you guys owe me some money. <laughs> yeah, like seriously. Like now all of a sudden we're going to change the Patriot way, which is what we built this program and won six titles on. Well, you can say, well, that is then, now is now. I get that. But your program is based on we are going to collectively, we're a team of champions. We're a team together. And yes, there's going to be a guy who makes a lot of money, but it isn't going to be the guy that makes all the money. And I, I regret that. I wish they would have drafted him in, in that draft. I yeah. wish they would have. They had two number one picks. They they took, I think, Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle. They had opportunities mm -hmm. to take him. Brady was still on the team at the time. You know, what if, if you take him, it's a you got to change your backups a little different. I'm not making excuses for him, but to me, you have a philosophy of a team like the Patriots that it, to go for Lamar would be outside that philosophy, mm -hmm. and it would be very disrespectful to the guy that won six titles for you. And the one thing I do know about Bill is Bill is always aware of what people make on the team. And if I bring player Y in and he makes this, that's then that affects that guy. And so he's constantly trying to keep his locker room aligned financially. And I think that, that to me, that's something you have to do. When you pay a guy who's never been with you or has never won with you more than the guys you have on your team, it creates a problem within the locker room. So now fans of the commanders and Falcons will then – come back and say, why are you giving us shit if we're trying to duplicate the Patriot way? We're trying to duplicate that philosophy of let's not pay somebody an exorbitant amount of money who's an outsider. Do you think that the situations are similar or do you think there's a difference in New England of, because my read is that, okay, like Mac Jones is obviously more established than Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Mac Jones fan, but at least we've seen him play games and we've seen him win games. Yeah, it may not but, be good but, enough, but, but, but those it, yeah. fans, the fans of the Commanders of Falcons would say, well, why are you giving New England a pass if you're going to go ahead and, and dump on us for not pursuing Lamar and giving him all that money? Well, my answer to that is it's just it, philosophically they've never done that. That's not who they are. They weren't in the Deshaun Watson thing last year. 
That's you know, they've never paid one player all this money. That's not who they are. They call themselves the Patriot way. That's kind of who they are. That's kind of the way they've modeled their team. It's no different than a financial firm who basically this is this is the stocks or this is the portfolios we like and this is what we do. This fits our profile. I, that's all I'm saying. Remember, scouting is scouting is about finding what fits for you, not fits what's for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm not giving them a pass. Look, if I would have been in the draft and in, in, in what was it, 18 when he came out, I would have been beating the drum for, for Lamar. I would have. It, it, because to me, he would. It was the perfect time to take him because you had Brady. St- you, you you knew Brady was coming, and you could have redshirted him and all that. But to me, I, I I can't sit there and say go after Lamar New England because you got you got to pay him forty five. You got to guarantee all this money, and Brady sitting in South Beach saying, "Wait a minute, nobody did that for me." Or <laughs> was my fully guaranteed deal? <laughs> where, where I, I mean, I mean, think about this, family. Nobody talks about this, but. The value of these franchises are enhanced by a certain player. Yeah, players, yeah. You know, I mean, the Patriots are worth if the if the Washington team's worth six billion, the say the Patriots are worth seven. Brady had a lot to do with enhancing the value of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're gonna turn around and say, No, thank you. I, I think that's a little disrespectful. Let's move on to Aaron Rodgers because we know the deal with the New York Jets is pending, I think, right now, is where where we're calling it here between the Green Bay Packers and Everyone's wanting to know when is this going to happen and how did we get here? Well, the Packers general manager, Brian Kudekutz, addressed all of those topics with the media earlier this week at the owners meeting. You know, as we got out of the or after the season and we, we had a good conversation um, and then you know, we're, we're going to have some follow-up conversations. And our inability to reach him or for him to respond in any way, I think at that point, then we just kind of had to, we had to, I had to do my job and kind of reach out and understanding that a trade could be possible uh, and see who was interested that, that shopping was never really part of that. So Gutekunst is kind of letting the cat out the bag here and almost firing back at what Rogers was saying on the Pat McAfee show a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, we couldn't even reach out to this guy. We couldn't yeah. contact him. There was no communication on his end. It, it, it kind of goes in line with what we were hearing from Rodgers by saying, hey, well, they, they, it's been messy and him taking his shots at Mark Murphy. So it should have been understood that the Packers would at least put out their own side of the story here in this PR battle. But from your vantage point where you sit here, how do you, what do you make of those comments from, uh, from Goody? Well, you know, I, I get to me, I think Goody's in a tough spot because, you know, when, when you work for somebody who has all the power and you are the spokesperson and he hides behind you, you get in a little bit of a tough spot, tough. right? You know, I mean, oh, Mr. Murphy, you know, he's controlling all this, you know, as the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain and poor Goot's got to go out there and take the heat and he's got to kind of come up with something to say, mm-hmm. you know, look, we know. We know this was headed down the road. I think there'll be a documentary on why this divorce happened. I think it has a lot. I think it has all to do with Murph and the way Murph took over. I was in Milwaukee and and they were asking me this question and, and I explained to him. I said it, it hasn't been since '58 that a football person has had a non-football person or the board has had this much control. And Murph made that happen. He did that. There's just no lying about it. When Ted Thompson left and then unfortunately passed away, Murph took all the power and put it on his plate. Mm. And so to me, I think there is a lot of resentment. And you could just tell by the Pat McAfee show that that Aaron has a lot of resentment towards him. So I think Goots just trying to defend as much as he possibly can and try to just get the hell out of the meet. Like he's probably sitting there saying, when the hell is this meeting going to yeah. get over? Like, <laughs> so can, can I get I back to Wisconsin? Get, can I just get out of here? I'm, I, I, I got to go to Florida and watch quarterback, you know? <laughs> he was cooking I, under I that thought, Arizona I sun. thought LaFuck had the greatest comment of all. <laughs> I did. I can't wait to talk to Big Daddy. I haven't seen him. <laughs> the comment that LaFleur said was, we should, quote, temper our expectations for Jordan Love in his first year as a starting quarterback for the Packers. <laughs> I mean, I, just... I think we should temper our expectations for LaFleur without Aaron Rodgers. Like, what kind of coach are you? Like, like I think to me it's kind of funny that he would say that. Like, He's getting I... out ahead of it, man. I, I see him. Yeah, like, I don't get, I don't get the, you know, like – it almost put love in a bad spot, right? A little bit. Yeah, like he, <laughs> he's not like in love with love, right? But like I don't know what else to say. Like, like it, he should have said, "Look, Jordan does some things really well. We're going to work on mm. those things. We're going to improve his game. He's really eager. I thought he's made some great development. And we're going to have to win as a football team. It's not going to be just about one player." He didn't say that. He says, "Well, we got to temper our expectations." Okay. In, in, in his defense, I I get that he's trying to lower the bar for expectations on Jordan Love there, because 
my read is that he probably doesn't want this to be thought of as like, oh, like when the Packers got rid of Favre, Rodgers stepped right in and then we started winning and all that stuff. He doesn't want it to kind of have that same parallel because it'd be easy to draw those parallels with Rodgers going to the Jets like Favre did. And then here comes this other guy coming in in year number four, taking over. So he was trying to lower the bar, but instead it almost comes across as like, yeah, I mean, we're not really sure about this thing, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens when the games start playing. Like, it's it's a little weird to say that. Like like you said, he could have dressed it up a little bit better, I yeah, think. Yeah, he had a green jacket on, too. I was wondering, did he win the Masters there that day? I was interested. Next week. Next week, yeah. <laughs> Next week. We'll see, see him at Augusta National. I think look, this is going to really test LaFleur. I think it really is. It's going to test his ability. Can he bring all three things together? Can he bring kicking game? Can he bring offensive defense together? And I think really – to be honest, and not and, and again, if 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 he called me on the phone and said, you know, what would I have to do to be a better head coach? And I'm talking about Lafour. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, Matt, you got it. This is probably now. You know, you spent three years as an apprentice head coach. You really were the offense coordinator. Now with Jordan Love, you got to become a head coach. You've got to be very demanding of the offense. You got to be very demanding of the defense and the kicking game. And you're going to have to figure out a way to win games through those three elements Mm. and you've got to take a step back and you might be best off letting someone else call plays so you can manage all three phases of your football team because to me that's his only salvation because this is going to fall apart because if he still operates in the subcontractor mindset it's not going to work and i think seriani did a good job by doing that yeah you know and seriani kind of got away from it a little bit and and certainly you know i think the eagle front office helps a lot but I, I think that's LaFleur. I think some see this what drives me crazy. These coaches, they need coaches. Mm-hmm. They need coaches, you know? I mean, if Steve Jobs had a coach, how the hell does Matt LaFleur not have a coach? <laughs> Makes you wonder. I mean, we we all need a little bit of advice. Some of the kind of bouncings off. It's it's checks and balances. It yeah. can't just it can't just be one person running the show there. Uh, but it, it's an interesting dynamic in Green Bay that's gonna come up. On the other side, I want to ask you about the New York Jets side of things because Woody Johnson has some really interesting comments that he said at the owners' meeting. We'll discuss it next year. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Michael, we're typically a football podcast, but did you know yeah. last night the Sacramento Kings clinched a spot to make it to the NBA playoffs, thus ending their long 16-year drought, That's which was awesome. the longest drought in North American major sports. Now, with the Kings into the playoffs in the NBA, the longest drought happens to be our team in the Meadowlands, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. It's been wow. 12 years since the Jets have made the playoffs. Back then, their quarterback is a guy who now does games for Fox, Mark Sanchez. I can remember that game, too. The I, think number, it was, I think it was the conference. They played Pittsburgh in it, Pittsburgh, it was, right? Yeah, it was the game where they made the rally, but then they fell they, short. They were, they were down behind 24 nothing, yeah. and then they came back, and, and Roethlisberger made a great play on a boot, a cross boot, kind of on a third and eight. If they get mm-hmm. the ball back, they're going to win that game. He made a great throw over to the sideline. I think it was to the tight end, Heath. Uh, 
Heath Miller. Heath Miller, and uh, you know it was a hell of a play, and and they won that game. But uh, yeah, that's amazing how close they came and couldn't do it. And Woody seems desperate, right? He I does. Mean, Woody is in that twelve years is a long time. Yeah, twelve years is a long time to go without <laughs> anything, right? It's a I mean, ask Phil Leotardo. He was making goddamn grilled cheese on the radiator. You know, I mean, the, when you're in there, you, there's compromise. You got to compromise. I want a man of guts, so I did grilled cheese on the radiator. I mean, that's one of the great lines of all time. Twelve. twelve Could you imagine making grilled cheese on a radiator? How long I, I would cannot, that take? I mean, that's just <laughs> grilled cheese is one of my favorite snacks. It, it is. Yeah, it's, it's it's really one of the untold story. It's really one of these. You know, the simple simple. Uh, uh, great foods of yeah, all time. It's, it's very nice. I mean, do a little tomato soup with it as well sometimes. Oh, yeah, you know, I could see you that. making that. Yeah, yeah but you know, nice anyway, I, I think we got. I think hungry. Woody's like Phil Leotardo. I think he's got now. He's out. Of, he's out. He's got. You know, he's. I could see him sipping the cappuccino or the espresso. He wants answers, and I don't think there's going to be. To be honest with you, to play off this Sopranos notion, I don't think there's going to be any scraps in Woody's books left. A scrapbook left. I think there's no scraps in Woody's scrapbook. I think he's all in. You think he's all in? I think there's no doubt he's all in. I think he's tired of it. I think he's tired of. See, I think what these what the fans don't understand is these owners, then the circles that they live in, they get harassed. You know, it's like among their rich friends. Yeah, they get harassed by you know what are you doing? I mean, well, how bad you're? They're embarrassed to be around their friends when they don't win. You know, like she's God, aren't you any good? You know, it's like holy shit. You know, this your team's terrible. Like you know, and I mean, they're all they do it. But it's still a competitive thing, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's embarrassing. And I think Woody's at the point where there's going to be no scraps in his scrapbook. Well, the comment that he had is that that he's short on patience. He's not the patient sort, is what he said. I'm not sure if that's the best negotiating angle. Telling the team that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get this deal done. I'm not really patient. Shouldn't you be the opposite of like what Robert Sala was saying earlier at the owner's meeting? saying, yeah, well, you know. Rogers knows the offense. You know, we're not in any rush. You know, there's really no rush. Stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, the the, the pressure's on. Woody Green wants Bay to, to rush. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Woody wants to go to the press conference and hand Rogers the jersey. That's what Woody wants. I mean, he wants to be able to go yeah. back to the men's club in New York and say, "Hey, I got a guy. I got the guy." Right? <laughs> you know. I mean, so uh, I mean, look, they, they they've put it out there that the demands have lowered. There's mm -hmm. only now they're only down to a second round pick. I can't imagine it can't get done. I mean. If you're Mr. Murphy, you got to figure out. We, we need the assets, you know. We're yeah. going to need to get these draft picks. I think a lot of it is the fact that Rodgers won't tell anybody that he's going to play past this year. Anybody, he because he doesn't know, you know. And so that makes this very challenging. What happens? You know, I mean, is you is it worth giving up a two for Rodgers? Well, it is if you win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It's really worth it. I mean, just ask the Rams. I mean, think about all the debt the Rams have occurred to win that Super Bowl. And they would say it's worth it. I would say it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Now it's a mess to clean up. Now I mean it's a mess to clean up, and and so, but at least it was worth it. I mean I think that's where the Jets are. The Jets are really at that point where is it really going to matter? I think, and I think Rodgers is just probably saying to them, "Relax, I'm coming. I'm going to play for you. Just hold on. Don't give them too much." The Jets. It doesn't sound like they're going to have to go up a first round pick. Brian Gutekunst said that it's not a necessity getting that number 13 overall pick from the Jets. He says, or he said at the same time, though, the value of the player, he's a premier player. So I think getting premier picks back for that or players is important. Yeah, I do too. It, it's important, but I mean, you're kind of tied behind your hands but a little I, bit with what Rodgers is no doing. No doubt. No doubt you're tied behind your hands. But you, you, the guy is really good and he will make the, I mean, he moves the needle. You know, the one thing I've learned working here for VEASAN and DraftKings and, and understanding the betting market as I do is, is, you know, when guys sign and they don't move the needle, is it worth it? You know, Lamar would move the needle on a team. 100%. Right? Lamar would, would take Washington's win total up. Lamar would take Indy's win total up. When players move needles, they're worth signing. And they're worth compensation. And so that's the other thing we didn't even hit on on Lamar. I don't think you have to pay the two number ones to get Lamar. I think, I think Baltimore wants to – I think Baltimore's no different than Green Bay. Like, this is a divorce that's going to mm -hmm. happen – and so, like, why not take advantage of it? Why not go into it? Would you say the Colts are the leader in the clubhouse on for, Lamar? For Lamar? I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a clubhouse for Lamar. No. I, I, again, I think Lamar's hurt himself. Look, the fact that he had to sit in that draft room for 31 picks. If he had an agent, I don't think he would have been in there. I mean, Josh Rosen got picked in front of him. Like, you watch tape on those two players, and there's no way Josh Rosen was a better player than no. Lamar Jackson. There's just no way. No. You know, and so he had to sit there. 
you know, and, and had a lot of people saying things about him that were coming from the Louisville campus, and some of it was really not true, but there was nobody to help dispel it. You know, this, this course that Lamar has taken in, in the sense of no agent, I think it really hurts him. The crazy thing about Lamar is that his peers and his teammates all seem to love him. They love him. They all, like, like they, when have you seen guys who have never played with Lamar actively saying, he should get his money. What are these teams doing? Like, like it's there's been so many of them on social media that have been coming out there. And social media, it's it's all anecdotal. I mean, it's not but, the biggest, but, most accurate poll, but it's interesting to see that play out. But I though. think there's respect. I mean, yeah. the guy won the MVP in the league. The guy, the guy is hard to play against. He's a unique player, mm-hmm. and, and he can, and he's young. I mean, he's a young player, you know. And so, like, why wouldn't you? Like, what's the down? I, I get and and blank. Well, we don't want to, you know. Arthur Blank said again. He said, "Well, we don't want to put all our money in a quarterback." Okay, a lot has changed in six months. Last year, you're ready to give Deshaun Watson the ranch, and now all of a sudden, you don't want to put money into it. So, I, I get that some teams, the way their cap structured, makes it very challenging to do it. But if you're Washington, like you've got a good defense, you're, you just if you get that player, you're gonna be yeah. you're gonna be looked at as a different team now. Yeah, you can give Philly and Dallas a run for their money in that. But with division. the skill players they have on offense, it, mm-hmm. it, his offensive line, I know they've they've signed guys, but you put Lamar behind center on that team, they got it in in the East. You're gonna be on you're gonna be on Monday Night Football. You're gonna be on Sunday Football. You, you know you're gonna be relevant again. As a Cowboys fan, I hope they don't they don't get it done. But as a fan of football, it makes a lot of sense for for the commanders to try to pursue that. We'll see if they do that when they get a new ownership or if they're just messing around, sitting on their hands. They're going to have the QB competition between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, coming up, and Lamar plays into this, we do have three guys who are eligible for extensions. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, all coming off really good years, led their teams to the playoffs. And so is Tua, though, right? Tua should be eligible, he, he's for, an eligible for an extension. eligible for extension. Although they just picked up his fifth year. Yeah, yeah. Well, so It's interesting how nobody brings that up, that he's not, I'm shocked you haven't, you know, you, I'm, you know I know you got your jersey on his shirt, but <laughs> why is why are we talking about Herbert and Burrow's extension and we're not talking about Tua, the greatest quarterback in the league? I don't understand it. You know, Anything worthwhile takes a little bit of time. I got yeah, that right. Know. We're going to pick up his fifth year, but but you know, I, I, takes I mean, a, takes a little bit of time. Look to me, I think Miami should sign the guy. In all honesty, with Tua though, you, you kind of have to see another year if he can stay healthy, right? If you're the Dolphins, yeah, I think you like do. that's kind of where we're at. It's like you can't make that investment, and if I mean, knock on wood, hopefully he doesn't get another concussion in the first month. You want to pay? Season. You want to pay Tua forty, fifty million a year? I got to see another year. Oh. I, I, I don't have to see another year. I don't want to pay him $50 million. I'm just going to say that. You don't want to pay him $50 million like, last year. <laughs> right. I mean, like, at some point, you don't need another year. Like, at some point, you either make a decision or you don't. Like, another year is not going to benefit you. It's like you go to a meeting and the it's coach... It's more, well, more data. Well, it is, but at some point, you got to make a decision. Well, we're going to redshirt this guy. We should redshirt this guy. We need more time. No, no, you got to make a decision now. Like, you got to either we're playing him or we're not playing him. Like, is he good enough? Can we get him better? You know? I mean, do I think Tua's a good player? Yeah. Do I think he's $50 million worth? No, of course not. Like, I, I think that's the, the, the reason this quarterback club is so expensive is because good players have made great money. Mm-hmm. You know, Dak made Dak great Prescott, money. Yeah. You know, and, and Kirk Cousins made great money. So water seeks its level. It rises, and everybody gets pushed up. You know, and he's – and look, Tua's got Lee Steinberg. You think Lee Steinberg's going to – I mean, he, he's going to not take a less deal. So you're going to have to, you, you know, where are you going? Lee's going to get him paid, man. Well, I mean, but to me, if I'm Chris Greer, do I pay him or do I pay Lamar? I mean, I, as much as I love Tua, it's not even a conversation. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it's Lamar. You got, yeah. you got to go for Lamar. Which of these guys do you think gets their contract first? And do you think that we need to start seeing those dominoes, the Herbert, Hertz, and Burrow dominoes fall before we see Lamar end up coming to a long-term agreement. Well, I think it can only help because the more data that's out there helps uh, helps explain everything to uh, the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. So it depends on. Well, I think I think we'll see Hertz's deal done first. I would suspect we'll see Burrow's deal because I think Burrow's a lot like Brady. I think Burrow's not going to want to take all the money. You know, like Mahomes didn't take all the money. I mean, I think some of these great players know that you've got to be able to give a little bit back. And uh, and I don't know about Herbert where that's going to go. I think if I were Herbert, I would want Eckler on the team. So like, b- before you get my deal done, I would want to know that I got Eckler because if I lose Eckler, 
I lose a big, I mean, the guy had 107 catches for you last yep. year. You know, like, I mean, I, I can't afford to lose, and he's still a really good young player. So I would want to know where the team was going in that direction, too. Yeah, no, it's like we talk about sharing the rigatoni. You got to make sure. Yeah, and not every, you know, you got to share it. You can't eat it all. You can't, can't eat all of it. And, and I think the interesting part of this is that if all three of those contracts get done, and they get done more so in the Dak Cousins, Kyler Murray range, then it more so gives more data point that the Deshaun Watson thing was an outlier. Right, and and it all depends on the guarantees. Mm-hmm. It all depends on the hard guarantees, not the, hey, we guaranteed 50 million, you know, we gave them 25 to sign and it's 25 base this year's guaranteed. Like that's not, like that's, that that looks good on paper for the agent, but you're not giving a guy 25 million and, and not he's not going to play for you the next season. Yeah. Like that guarantees like a fake guarantee. Would there be a way that if all these quarterbacks banded together and said, we're not going to take anything less than what Watson got? You know, because that could change the dynamic of the league. I I think to me, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. You got to turn down that. I mean, Russell Wilson wasn't going to, he knew this was his last bite of the apple. Mm -hmm. You're going to turn that last bite. Murray knew that he was getting his deal way too early and he had hookwinked him enough to get it early. Right. I mean, you know, so Murray was Robin, you know, Wilson was <laughs> the, each situation was different. Yeah, it's, it's different, but because it's a precedent could be set, but I don't think that we'll get that just because, like you said, these guys are going to look out for themselves. They're only going to do it differently. And, and, and look, differently, and look, yeah. and, and, and you, you know, just like we talked about with the Patriots, there's like Steve Bashotti, he, he doesn't want to do it. Okay. That's, that's, that's the ground rules that you're in. Jim Irsay, he said it clear. These are the ground. I'm not doing that. Okay, that's the ground rules. And when you get an owner to say that, that gives you teeth as a negotiator. Like, he's not doing that. You can challenge him on it. You can, like I said last summer, Jesse Bates can challenge Mike Brown all he wants. Mm-hmm. He ain't winning. He ain't winning. Mike Brown ain't buff. Mike Brown doesn't bluff. Mike Brown's going to say what he says. He's going to do what he does. So if you're dealing with Joe Burrow's contract, Mike Brown, what Mike Brown tells you, he's not bending. Mike Brown isn't going to play to the wind. He has his beliefs. He's going to do what he thinks is fair, and he's going to do what he thinks is fair for his franchise. People think he's cheap. I think he doesn't want to overspend for things, so he does. He wants value back. Uh, and so I think that's part of who they are. That's the Bengals. The same thing with the Ravens. That's who they are. And that's where I think the disconnect not having an agent between Bashadi and Lamar's camp is, look, this is, who, this is how we do business. Hmm. I, I I don't know if it's been asked or not. It would be really interesting to get those guys' take, but Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, Mike Brown, the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, then you have Dean Spanos, the owner of the Chargers. What their take is on this Lamar Jackson guaranteed contract? Because we got Ursay's take on it, but I, I, I'd think, be curious to hear what those guys had to say. I think, look, they would all say, look, there's no doubt that we want this player, if we sign him for five years, we want him to be part of the team for five years. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody doubts that. I don't think that they feel like – I'm sure Jeffrey Lurie feels like if he writes a big check for Jalen Hurts, it's not going to affect Hurts' work habits, right? I think that's the separate thing here. You know, if you give Peyton Manning a big check, it wasn't going to hurt him. But if you you didn't guarantee Peyton Manning's deal, why would you guarantee someone else's deal? You know, there's a little bit of respect to the former player, right? I mean, like Mm -hmm. why all of a sudden you're going to guarantee him and you didn't guarantee me? I'm better than that guy. You know, so uh, I think there's some of that. And I think the funding issue, right? So you've got to fund this money into the league office, into an escrow account. And no owner really who's a good businessman wants to do that. The only reason the Browns did it and her, and Haslam said it was good, that something they had to do was to get back in it. Mm-hmm. They had to do something unique to it's get awesome. back. So they called the agent up and said, how about if we did 250 all guaranteed, completely buttoned up? Okay, we're in now. Now you're back in. All of a sudden, I didn't want to wear orange and brown. Now I do want to wear orange God, and brown. Can you imagine that? Like that's that's how they got that's, back in. Yeah, it. that's how they did it. And so now that's what that's they're there, but that's what they did. Now they're going to have a harder time not guaranteeing other players' contracts because they did it. But the other teams have their own model, and if you have an owner who's willing to say what he thinks, you've got a better chance. Last thing I wanted to touch on with you in this episode is. Thursday night football. And we saw at the owner's meeting, there was discussion about flex scheduling Thursday night football to where teams would be only given 15 days notice and say, hey, instead of playing on Sunday, you're going to be playing on Thursday. Me, I think that's absurd. 
John Mayer, the owner of the New York Giants, he thinks that's absurd. The the conversation it was not approved, but it's been tabled until May. Yeah. Tabled. Read into that what you will. I'll tell you what I tabled think, means. I think it I'll means it's going to happen. Here's what happens at league meetings. So you know the 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 commissioner is really this is all commissioners. It started with Roselle, mm-hmm. but they're very good. They're they're the Lyndon Johnson of of this world, right? Lyndon Johnson would never put something up for a vote that he didn't know he had the votes for. So. What they did is they they gauged the interest in this, and they got 22 yeses, they got eight noes, and they got two abstains. So now he goes to work. This is why he makes the money he makes. He goes to work, and he finds if he can find five of those eight noes to f- convert them over. He knows the two. If he knows Mike Brown abstained, I don't know if the Bengals did. He's not winning that one, so he's not going to pay attention to that. He's not going to go to the Giants and say, hey, you guys want to come over? Because Mayor has already been publicly out on Now, he might go to them and, and remind them of all the favors the league has done for him. Mm. And so it might be in your best interest to do a favor here and bring this back and explain it. He might do that. And John Mara is against it, which he has every right to be against it. So, But it, it this will only come up for a vote in May if the commissioner has the votes. It will never come up to get turned down. The, the league does never want to embarrass themselves. Mm-hmm. So it will only come up if he's got all the 24 in his pocket. Mm. It's the only way it's going to happen. Now, to me, again, they don't. the league doesn't care about coaches. So if you only have 15 days, so what happens when the schedule comes out, you see who your Thursday night team is. And typically it's a team that you know, right? So the Patriots will play the Jets on Thursday night. Okay, we know the Jets. We've played them a bunch. But we're going to spend May and June getting our game plans ready for the Jet Week so that we don't have to go and really we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. The problem with this 15-day thing is if they spring a game up and say Philly, who never plays, you know, who never plays the the Detroit, no, yeah, excuse me, never plays the Colts, right? Yeah. You know, they, they play once every four years. Now, all of a sudden, you know, how do you get ready for that team on a short week? You don't have the summer to get ready for it. You don't know if you're going to get it. So you're a little bit at, at a disadvantage. Both coaching staffs are disadvantaged in terms of the preparation for the game. You only get 15 days. It's hard. You, you, you don't have time to break down the tape. So that, to me, becomes a disadvantage. And that's where it affects the quality of the play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a league that talks about player safety as much as they do, they don't demonstrate player safety when they do something like this. Yeah, it's like you talk about the coaches, the players in terms of them getting their bodies ready to go from game. And we talk to players all the time, and they say, hey, I don't feel good until about Friday after playing a game on Sunday. Yeah. And then now you're going to play the game on Thursday. It's it's crazy that we've even had this much Thursday night football, but to go to the point where you're going to flex schedule it and now teams, because with the flex scheduling and just in general, uh, without it, they said that the owners approved the changes that will allow teams to play two Thursday night football games because usually it's only been you only get right. one game and then you do your deed and then you go on with it. But now you might get two games. So a team could theoretically play as many as four Thursday night football games in a season because Thanksgiving and then opening night don't count right. toward the Thursday night package. So it, it's it's insane to me that they're going to put this. But kind I of would think they everybody. would work around that. I mean, if they put Dallas on another Thursday night, which I'm sure mm-hmm. they will. You know they they're gonna work around that, but look they 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 have to do something. I mean, look Al was Al was checked out of every almost every game on Thursday night. I mean, he wanted to go to he wanted to go to Toscano's and you know like he's like this game's hard. You know like he wanted a substitute teacher to come in for him. Like <laughs> he didn't make it any better either. Like Al was like I enjoyed the Thursday night games. He just didn't. You know, this is not you know he was not into it. <laughs> he was he was checked out in the playoff game when it was like one of the largest comebacks in playoff history. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like he didn't th- he didn't want to be in Jacksonville. <laughs> he did not want to be in Jacksonville. I mean, a little bit of that too. You know, you got to have a little bit of flair to that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just for the fans' perspective of it because I remember when this was being floated around last week, and I said this would be atrocious as a fan. Like, imagine being a fan because the NFL. What's cool about it is that you get these away fans that will travel to games because say, hey, we want to come to Las Vegas because we never go and play the Raiders, but we can make a weekend out of it. Las Vegas, who doesn't want to come here? What if your game gets moved from Sunday afternoon to all of a sudden Thursday night? Yeah. And you've made all your hotels, your flights, and all that stuff. And uh, then, oh, shit out of luck. Sorry. <laughs> make, ratings, make, make, make your changes. Ratings, baby. Ratings. It, TV it, networks control everything. Well, uh, TV networks pay for everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, true. the players are, you know, the, the quarterbacks aren't making $45 because the networks aren't interested. 
the rating if the ratings weren't there we would be back in the 50s where the guys had to have other jobs so <laughs> let, let's make sure we understand they're feeding the mouths that feed them right mm -hmm. i mean that's what it is the, it's a rating bonanza and they and their partner amazon they got to give them something yeah i get it i get that i get the intent the practicality is harder yeah the pra it's not practical at all and, and while i agree with what you're saying that you want to make sure that you know where your bread is buttered and all that stuff it's like the lifeblood of the sport is that there's fan interest and you don't you don't want to piss off your fans and your players and your coaches just to appease amazon and what they got going on but i mean i guess but you should give give amazon a better package yeah that's what give them a, to start off with give them a little bit you know give them one good game you know and i think i'll I think a lot of it is because they just don't know who's going to be good. You know, who's going to, you know, it's hard. We don't know who's going to be no. a bomb team and who's going to be an elite team. It's hard. I mean, you know, you could say put somebody in the room that knows the teams. Yeah, well, okay, well, you could bomb out. I thought Indy was going to be better than they were last year. They Damn. bombed, you know. Yeah. And so who thought that that Philly was going to dominate the way they did? I mean, all Eagle fans did. But, did. You, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Go ahead. You and your Tua jersey. Go ahead. Hey, man, <laughs> you give me the Tua crap. We said it in May. We said the Eagles are going to be a team, well, man. Look out for them. And they'll be a team next year, too, because look, as much as I made fun of their Gonzaga schedule, they, they, nobody in the NFC is closing the gap on them. Yeah. I mean, who's closing the gap on them? There's no – look, when the schedule comes out, you look at the Thursday night game and you look at how many quarterbacks you have to face. Mm-hmm. In the NFC, there's not many. It's not a whole lot of quarterbacks. No, I, I do think it's it, it's going to be a fun NFL offseason. The draft, oh, by the way, one month from today. I know. I'm looking forward Kansas to it. I'm City. working on it. I'm yep. working on it. There you go. You, you, you're working on those quarterbacks? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm We're going to get on those it. takes going? I'm working on them. All yeah, right. I got your takes. Yeah, I got your <laughs> takes. I'm sure you're going to fall in love with somebody. Oh, I'm already in love with Richardson. Oh, that's that's, that's my guy. I'm yeah. already in love I with him. I am too. I love his talent. I I'm, just don't know how good he is. Yeah. Well, we'll see. His pro day is today in Gainesville. Somebody will report from there and we'll get the skinny on what's happening in the swamp. But that does it for us this week. We'll check in with you guys on Monday to recap everything that's gone over, yeah, we over got the, the weekend. Who, 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 who is going to be in the finals for, for Monday when we start <sighs> taping this pod? I'll say UConn and FAU. Wow. UConn, FAU. Here that's we go. UConn, I mean, speaking of the TV networks. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you look, it's a game. I mean, I don't think the, you know, I, look, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of Duke fans out there, but you watch the game. I think the yeah. story of Dusty May going from an equipment guy from equipment guy from Indiana to the head basketball coach, what he done at Florida Atlantic, I think it's a great story. I really yeah. do. I think it's powerful. People like those stories. Yeah. Every now and then it's good to get a little bit of a mix up of not just the blue bloods. I mean, last year we had Kansas, Villanova, North Carolina, and Duke. And yeah. This year we got. UConn, Miami, FAU, and, and San Diego State. There's no scraps in Woody Johnson's scrapbook. We'll end on that. <laughs> thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vsin. Thank you to you, Michael. As always, all of you guys, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You've been supporting the podcast all throughout the offseason. The shuffle will not go anywhere. We're going to dress it up even more. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, some exciting stuff coming up in the next month. So keep supporting the pod, and we'll keep cranking these things out for you guys. But we'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>